0: Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ForTheLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ForTheLove. Hey guys, welcome back to the Jen Hamaker book club podcast. If you are listening to this over on our regular for the love podcast feed, welcome. You're getting a little sneak peek into the incredible time and conversations that we have behind the scenes at the Jen Hatmaker book club, which by the way, we would love to have you join us. We would love, love, love to have you join us. We have members in every single state, They meet up, they Zoom, we get together. It's an incredible, incredible book club. You can find out all the details at jinhapmakerbookclub.com. Now, I'm so excited for this book club episode first of all, book clubbers, because the way that you blew up the feed this month was amazing. We really connected to this book. You were invested, you were identifying with the characters, the interpersonal relationships, that dynamic was very relatable. (laughs) And this author chat is awesome. You guys are going to love Emma. When I read all adults here, I think the thing is that Emma wrote her character's So genuinely, like that is what we think. That is what we say. That is what we worry about. That is how adult sibling relationships can be. You know, that I just thought we're going to love this in Book Club. There's something in here for everybody. The big themes are human in nature. And I just love the way she writes. I love how Emma took really big, important, even heavy themes like sexuality and identity and bullying and secrets and regrets, but kind of did it with a, a witty hand, you know, like she didn't overplay it. It wasn't syrupy. It wasn't overly emotional. It, it, didn't, it didn't drag us through the mud. It was kind of done lightly with humor and, and cleverness. And I think that is one of my favorite, one of the reasons that I really, really loved this book and wanted to put it in book club now. So for those of you who don't know who Emma is, let me give you a quick rundown. Emma Straub, New York Times bestselling author of three other novels, which I haven't read. This was my first of hers to read, but now I know I need to go back. So she's also written The Vacationers, Modern Lovers, Laura Lamott's Life in Pictures, and then a short story collection called Other People We Married. Her books have been published in 20 countries. She and her husband started and own a bookstore, an independent bookstore in Brooklyn called Books Are Magic. So look, Emma is really making her way in the literary community. And I am here for it. I am excited to see it, excited to watch it. She is a wonderful novelist, a really incredible writer I like the way her brain works. I like what she gives to her characters and how she creates them. And so this was a good one, you guys. Oh, you're going to enjoy this interview. I'm so pleased to share this conversation with this extraordinary girl, Emma Straub. I'm so happy to meet you. Thank you so much for this.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me to into the homes of all of your book
0: clubbers. I am excited to talk to you about it. Just tell us really quickly, like, where are you and who's around you? Who are your people? Like, what is your deal? Give us that.
1: Got it. Okay. So I'm Emma. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. In my office right now, my house is silent. It is unusual. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and their last day of school was on Tuesday. So basically my deal is I sit in this room and I write things, and then I walk about 10 minutes, about like six blocks maybe, to my bookstore, Books Are Magic, that I own with my husband. And then I have a whole crew of people and community over there. And that's my whole life. Basically, my whole life is like I walk in a triangle between my house, my bookstore, and my kids' school, which is also the school that I went to. And No way it and, isn't. And my parents live in between my house
0: and the school. I love this. You're a wonderful writer. This is my first introduction to your work. I know it's not your first book. but It's my first book of yours that I've read. And I just... At a million points throughout your book, I just wondered how you knew that, like that is what moms think. Like, and I'm not even Astrid's age yet, but i I thought I am going to think like that when I'm her age. I'm gonna those are the real thoughts of real people. Like you're very astute. Your grasp of human nature and failure and insecurity is it's weird. It's weird. I felt really called out. A lot of points in the book. It's incredible. Well done. Thank you. I'm going to talk about the very beginning of all adults here because, you know, I mean, you just went for it. You just really went for it. That was not what I expected to read, you know, in the first two pages with a tragedy. And even, you know, the way that you wrote it, where it's you restrain, it it doesn't have the, the horror of like a, an emotional quagmire that everybody is, you know, it's, it's almost detached. <laughs> it's, it's almost observational in nature, like as it's happening. So right away, I know, oh, we've got some real characters here. Yeah. Astrid is a character. And so can you just talk about that opening? Was that always the opening? Did you know that was going to be the opening? Is that where you started?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean the yeah the tone of it, I mean it's definitely supposed to take you by surprise, and you understand you like it, your your reaction is perfect. Like that's exactly what I want. I want people to be like, wait, what? <laughs> the first it's the first sentence. It's a very long first sentence, but it's one sentence starting with a bang. What could be better than that? And then you know of course like you know so poor Barbara Baker who gets run over and killed by a school. Yeah.
0: We barely knew her in
1: a sentence. Um you know she you know she starts out as this sort of minor uh roadkill but uh, but then you know through the book you understand that she's actually has been weighing heavily on on Astrid's mind and I and what I liked about it as the beginning was that it, it, it sort of, it, it works with like the, the sort of spider webby feeling that I was going for in this town where like, I mean, and I think it's true for all of us who, who live in, in small sort of close knit communities where like, right. You might, you might see someone every day that you don't, really talk to that you're not close with but they might loom large your like narrative about yourself and that was certainly true for astrid and barbara that like you know astrid is like this like very waspy tight perfectionist and i think for her barbara was like like this like little you know irritant sort of in the back of her brain all the time, reminding her of mistakes that she's made and, and sort of mistakes that she's still making in terms of not, not living her life, honestly. So, but yeah, I, I, I mean, it'll be hard to talk, you know, opening the book. with her.
0: Yes, no <laughs> doubt. You closed the loop really well that we had, a more of a um, in real time glimpse of Barbara at the end. I liked that you added that. Those were nice bookends that we got to know her a little bit, not just through somebody else's retelling of what she did or say, but her own thoughts. I That gave me a empathy, a compassion for her. I, I want to talk about how you have created this space where multiple characters are both Parents and children at the same time. They're still somebody's kid. They're also somebody's mom or dad. I like that space. We explored that dynamic really, really well between sometimes the roles we continue to play as we grow up, even when we've outlived them, even if they don't really fit anymore. Yet that's who we always were inside the family dynamic. It it's it's complicated, but relatable. So I'd like to hear you talk about why you chose this dynamic, if this kind of stemmed from your own space because the dedication of your book, it read for my parents who did their best and for my children, for whom I am doing mine. You're in the middle place. Yeah. (laughs) So can you talk more about that?
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, I am fully in the middle place. God, it's a stressful place to be. It is and also full of opportunity for comedy and tragedy. You know what I mean? Like my kids are still little, they're five and seven, but man, so in any given day, I, I am playing both of those roles, you know, in addition to trying to be a like a, you know, cool lady. Um, you know, the, like, especially at the bookstore where like, I'm, I'm 41 and I'm the like full grandma because all of my booksellers are like 25 and they're like Beverly Hills 902 what, like, what are you talking about? You're a hundred and nothing you say is relevant, which is,
0: you know, cool. It's a cool feeling just got to lean into it that's what i do lean in to the kids and their vernacular and their confusion about our ancient elderly lives
1: <laughs> you know it's a lot at once it's a lot at once and 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 i think it, it it was especially interesting to me to explore to explore those feelings especially as it pertains to motherhood and how like you know how i think good parents great parents bad parents we really all are trying and failing like you just can't i think even like the like trap i think that many of us fall into is like you know we can sort of easily identify like okay these like two or three things that my parents did that i that i thought were great right and these two or three things that my parents did that like were not so great like i'm going to do that and i'm going to change those and like ooh la la i'm going to be a great parent and and then your kids show up and they of course have different problems and 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 so you make different mistakes and so there's there is literally no way to do it perfectly and you know i think especially for those of us like Astrid and like myself, like who are really good at getting good grades and doing things right. It's it's a humbling, it's a humbling experience. And then, you know, you layer in aging parents and like how we all, I think, hold on to these, these patterns that don't serve us anymore. And yeah, I mean, it's just a big, it's a big ol' it's a big old mess. And there's nothing more that I love as a novelist.
0: Mm-hmm, of course.
1: A big old mess. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. Yes. Fodder for days. Yeah. But true fodder. That's the thing. I think that's why it's so resonant because there's nothing that most of us set out to do better than parent. Just absolutely convinced we would skip the mistakes that were done unto us just to discover ourselves in whole new quicksand. And I think what I kept where I felt like all adults here kept holding up a mirror to me in a way that really caused me to think and reflect on and sort of examine was particularly like Astrid, although you laced it through the adult kids too, her overdeveloped sense of responsibility for everybody else's feelings, choices, thoughts, mistakes. She she carried it on her shoulders, constantly questioning everything she did is what she did, why they did that, is what she did, why they said that, why they are the way that they are. And I identify with that. I have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility for my kids, everything, happiness, good choices, success, failures. So I don't like that you made us really look at that in the face and don't enjoy that. But it did. I think it did probably what you wanted it to do, which was show us this kind of ubiquitous sense of, responsibility we carry as parents. That's not healthy. Yeah. And not even true.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's like the things that we, the things that we can so easily like observe in our own children, you know, where it's like, we can look at our kids and be like, you know, oh man, they're tired they're just like they're they're so tired or they're so hungry or whatever it is like that's why they're behaving like an evil despot like that's why like it's not that they're horrible people right it's that they're having like a little breakdown but but we we so easily like provide those answers but i think we don't do that for ourselves and we certainly don't do that or at least maybe don't always do it for our siblings or our parents or you know all of the or our spouses like we don't we don't fill in those blanks in the same way yeah i mean it's you know i think it it's it is hard to person and it's hard to adult like it's hard to be really generous with ourselves and to forgive you know i mean what's funny about this book is you know when i was talking about like how much longer it took me it's because like I don't think I really knew what it was about like I knew it was about these this you know family characters and whatever and I sort of had the plot but I didn't really understand like what the what the point was after I was done which is often the case and then I realized that it's, it's really about forgiveness it's really about like you know, forgiving ourselves and forgiving our loved ones and like accepting the fact that sometimes, you know, lines of communication are imperfect and, you know, like, cause I mean, spoiler alert, everybody's read the book in your book club, I know, but that like, you know, Astrid spends so much time like worrying about this one, this one moment of her pain, And then her son is like, what are you talking about? No, it's this other thing. It's this other thing. Like, you're wrong. And I think that that's what happens. You know, I think we, even with the people who we are closest to, we, you know, as you said, like we, because we take responsibility for it all, we think we understand it. We think that we have this full picture, but of course we never do, you know, not even with the people who are nearest and dearest to us. That's why families are easier in, in novels than in real life. Because in rea- in novels, you can be like,
0: oh, no, no, I actually do know everything. <laughs> <laughs> <So true. laughs> it's hard to lean into things that make us feel uncomfortable. But can I tell you a secret? When we learn to hold the tension of this is hard and this is worth it with both hands, that's when we truly begin to grow and flourish. And you know what can help you hold that tension just a little bit easier? Talking with a BetterHelp counselor today. BetterHelp matches you with a counselor, and you can send them a message anytime and get a timely and thoughtful response back. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your counselor whenever it's convenient for your schedule. BetterHelp is committed to getting you the help that you need, so they make it easy And free to change counselors if you need to. It's so simple and so worth it. I want you to start living a life that is more full and whole and healthy. As my listener, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting my sponsor, BetterHelp, at betterhelp.com slash for the love. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dot com slash for the love. All right, guys, back to our show. Great stories are powerful, right? That's why I love this podcast. We get to hear people from all walks of life talking about their obstacles and their wins. And you know another place we get to do that? The Jen Hatmaker Book Club. And I want you to join today because if you love this podcast, You're going to love the book club. Here's the deal. Each month, we'll dive into a fantastic book, and we read all kinds of stuff. Fiction, memoirs, self-help, all of it. Every single book is something I have read and loved, and I just know you will too. After you sign up, Every month, I'll send you a box with the book and other fun treats. Plus, your membership comes with a whole slew of perks. You get resources like reading plans, weekly summaries, discussion questions. Plus, you get tons of exclusive community stuff. You get access to our private Facebook group where you can connect with me and all your fellow members. And there's a monthly Facebook live chat session with me and sometimes some surprise guests. Sometimes, I pop into the Zoom meetings of our local chapters, which is always delightful. Plus, we do some cool stuff with the book's author. They curate these awesome Spotify playlists just for us. Plus, I record a podcast with the author or another special guest, and we talk about the book. It is an incredible way to cap it all off. And you know what makes a book club great? The people. This community is the kindest, most supportive group you can possibly imagine. So sign up today at JenHatMakerBookClub.com. We are here waiting to welcome you into the sisterhood with open arms. So join us at JenHatMakerBookClub.com today. Okay, back to our show. I want to talk about the adult kids. Astrid's kids, because each of them is just going through it in a different way for different reasons. You've kind of pinned them to the map in very different ways. I'd like to talk about, I'd like to hear from you about your development of the kids. Did you know them immediately? Did they tell you who they were? Did you have to workshop them a little bit? I enjoyed their interpersonal dynamics too. Just the way that you sort of the relationships you gave them inside the sibling pack then how it was with their mom. And I just, en- I liked all of them for different reasons. Can you talk about them a little? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: what's funny with the siblings is that, so I knew Porter was in the middle, like she's the closest to my own experience. You know, like she's, you know, she and I were sort of the same age and, but what happened with the boys was that for a long time, like maybe even for like a whole draft, I had them flopped. Like I had, I thought that Nikki was the older and Elliot was the baby. And then I, and I was like, what? Like it's not working. Like something is not working. And And I was like, oh, obviously Nikki's the baby. That's what, like Nikki never do anything wrong. Like everybody, he just skates through and nobody pays attention really. And like that's its own problem, but like- Just this charming baby. It's this charming, beautiful little baby. And Elliot is the one who is working the hardest to like, you know, earn his parents' love and support and all of that. But like, he's the one who is struggling. And, and once once I understood that, then I could see them all perfectly clearly. I think that like when I was growing up, I, I thought of birth order- as like astrology, you know, like thing that like, sure, like I'm a Taurus and like, I can tell you things about a Taurus, but like, do I really like believe it? Like, I don't know. But but then I had children and I was like, Oh no, 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 this is real. It's not real in some sort of amorphous fuzzy way. It's real not not because the, there's something inherent in being born first or second or third or fourth or whatever. It's because of the parents. It's the, the parents are, I mean, speaking from my own experience, like when my first child was born, like my husband and I were like, you know, one inch from his face always And. St- still we're like one inch from his face always whereas his little brother is like where is he we don't know right. maybe
0: he's in the house
1: <laughs> he is so much more self-sufficient and so much like just like just less needy as a, as a human like he just and it's because when he was a baby we we're like oh just put him down he's fine you know like
0: Totally. Yeah. It's the parents. It's the
1: parents. It's the parents. And I, I, and like, you know, so I think writing this book was me, was me sort of reckoning with that both like as a parent, understanding how that happens as a parent, parent, and, and also as an adult child suddenly looking and being like, Oh, that's why he's like
0: that. And that's.
1: Uh, Do you have siblings? I have one older brother. And
0: okay, you're the baby.
1: I'm like and I'm like it makes my whole life make sense. I get it. I get it. And and I think that man, I have so much sympathy now for firstborn children. Cuz I think that is a tough it's tough to be in that pole position, man.
0: I love 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 that you wove in that sort of the the undercurrent of birth order that astrid was really kind of honed in on that as well because that's been a real discussion point in our book club because it's real that's why it's not because of some fake idea it's because every one of us brings experience to that concept wherever we were you know in the lineup and i am so pleased to hear that you swapped elliot and nikki because so you had their personalities as they were but swapped oh yeah no elliot is the firstborn for sure I really really wanted to helicopter into the book and discipline his children. I wanted to. I just wanted to give them some pointers. I <laughs> you really made me see those wild children. This family is not my family at all,
1: truly. But that like, you know, there are many aspects of me in all of the characters, but when my mom when my mom read this book, she was like I see. I see. The children are in there. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, those little wild beasts. Sure, they're about the same age. Yeah, belong to me.
0: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we all had them. They're all feral at those ages. They just are. They just are. And so it was kind of also relatable because there was just moments when all of our kids were that age where we just thought, why? Why did we have? Why did we have them? Why? who told us to do this? Obviously a big part of this story is Astrid coming to terms with her sexuality, which was like a wonderful part of the plot line. Of course you gave us, you gave it to us in the first chapter right there at the end. Didn't see that coming either at all. I mean, maybe it's because of their ages. I think that I would expect to see like some, you know, relational romance. I think with younger characters. And I really liked that you gave it to Astrid and Bertie. And so her coming out to her grown kids was a, you know, a real central part, a real important moment in the story. Can you talk about all of that? Like how you wrote that, what you were wanting to convey, was any of it sticky or hard? Did you have to kind of push through how it ultimately laid flat on the page.
1: I mean, I think I had to push through Astrid, like just like understanding what, what was tough about it for her. It, it just made the most sense to me, right? Like she had a terrific relationship with her husband. You know, it's not like, oh, Astrid is a lesbian. And that sort of like negates everything that came before not at all. Like she was, she had a wonderful marriage and was very happy with him. And I think would have stayed married to him, you know, for 50 years if he had lived, but he didn't. And something else came along, you know? And I think that, I don't know. I mean, I just see like i mean right now talk, going back to like the the all the 25 year olds who i'm around all the time who make me like a very old lady like for them the idea that sexuality exists on a spectrum that it's it's all sort of fluid and it's all moving you know the, that these the, the, these labels that we attach to ourselves aren't like they're not written in permanent marker you know and, and I liked Astrid having that opportunity too that she she's not dead she's not done you know like she's still going she's still moving forward and that like I think the best thing about it for her is that like because she's in love, she's doing what what we all do when we're in love, which is to open up a little bit more and to change a little bit. And like, so Birdie really, I mean, is such a, a huge part of her getting out of her own way. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I I thought a lot about Astrid, and you know, my my it's like my dad. My, when my dad reads my books, like the number one thing he always says, he like is allergic to happy endings. He just, he's like, Emma, come on. They're so happy. Okay. And, but I just like, I mean, for me, the way I see it, the way I see their love story and the way I see it, like, as a part of the book is that, like, we all have those moments, you know, we all like, yes, life is hard and families are hard. But like, if you catch anyone at the right moment, there are those times of just happiness and affection. And like, I wanted to give that to Astrid, you know, knowing that it's going to be complicated, like it's going to be complicated, like ask Bertie or not, like, You know, they're not going to be like, you know,
0: wedding cake toppers forever. You know, nobody is. I'm so happy that you did. I'm opposite of your dad. I'm like, we need some happiness up in here. And also, I was so pleased how you decided to roll out August's story that you gave us some acceptance for him, too, that he got to find his way into the light and was received well for it and loved and i loved that his parents cherished him i loved that his friendship with cecilia you interestingly wrote about sexuality through in different ways through different characters for different reasons i mean even elliot's like early teen encounter you know which you know loomed obviously large for astrid less for him but that you just gave it to us that this is real life. This is a spec, this is fluid. And I really, I loved, I loved the kids. I loved the teenagers. I know the title is all adults here, but they were like a really interesting pole for the whole story. Obviously Celia specifically, she was like this interesting magnet for all the adults. Did you love her? Did you know her? Did she continue to like Explain to you who she was gonna be. I mean Cecilia
1: in particular, like I mean you know, of course the, the irony of the title is that like the the two teenagers are by far the most evolved, centered, confident, like together people in this book, which is more or less how I see the world, you know? I'm like, okay, our generation's doing all right. But we're we're maybe kind of okay next generation okay they they understand everything a little bit better than we do the younger they get the smarter they are i mean thank god like i just not to absolve the rest of us from from doing hard hard work on ourselves and on how we have been like conditioned to understand the world and to to sort of you know clear the muck from our eyes because we certainly need to do that. But I mean, like, you know, when talking about like gender, like my kids understand gender in a way that I didn't until I was in my mid thirties, probably just because I, no one ever talked to me about it. And like everything that I, Understood about gender had to do with like you know it's okay for boys to like pink like that was like the
0: right that was our most wow. evolved yeah. perspective.
1: Right now, I understand more than that, but I mean, yeah, man, kids, kids are kids are the smartest ones if you just set them up. Like if you just set them up to, to see things and to sort of be conscious. It, it just, I just think, I, I mean, I hope that it's just going to save a whole lot of people a whole lot of time, you know? Me and,
0: too. And pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is, you nailed it. I know that your kids are little, but you do have these young adults around you all the time, kind of as a placeholder until your kids get there. My, I have five kids and they are 15 to 23. So that's my age group that I'm surrounded with all the time. The things that they understand <laughs> that I picked up on like five years ago, the questions they're asking, the things that they are paying attention to, the way that they're engaged in culture and movement and evolution is like a hundred years ahead of where I was at their age. A hundred years. And so, you know, a lot of ink is spilled about. Oh, this generation—you know, just tons of people just lose their minds over how this generation is too connected. They're too on their screens, and they're—they've been too babied and they're never going to make. That is not my perspective at all. I am like, the sooner we can pull up a chair and listen to them, the quicker we're going to develop and evolve and create a, a, a safer community for like everyone. Honestly, I love that you handed the kids the wisdom that's true to life. I find that true to form. They're going to find something else to be anxious about when they're our age. So we'll just watch. It'll be their turn. They don't get out free here. I mean, honestly, they need to feel bad about something, but it's not going to be the same things that we do. And that's exciting to watch. And I think you like beautifully pinned that dynamic just between generations. It's no secret that 2020 won't win any prizes in my book, but there's something I absolutely love that came from last year. I released my first ever merchandise line, and it was all sort of in honor of my book, Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire, which came out last April. Listen, it's small but mighty, but I bet you've seen some of it. We started with fierce hats and face masks, of course, and coffee mugs, then we move to hats, mugs, and shirts for the word free, specifically, super on the nose. And there's one really special item for me in the Gin Hat Maker Merge Collection. We have elephant coasters that say this, there is no community like a community of women. Um, so here's the thing about elephants. You've heard me say this. Out in the wild, when a female elephant is vulnerable, she's either giving birth or she is injured her fellow female elephants, her sisters, get in formation and surround her and protect her talk about the definition of fierce. Um, I'll tell you that I lived that elephant story over and over and over again in this last year. Thanks to my family, my friends, all of you. This is what we do, girls. When our sisters are vulnerable, when they are giving birth to new life or new ideas or new spaces, when they need their people to surround them so they can heal or recover, we get information. We close ranks and literally have each other's backs. This is how we show each other that we are fierce, free, and full of fire. So right now, you can find the elephant coasters and all the other fierce and free items at jenhatmaker.com/shop. And hey, look alive! You can save twenty percent off the entire site with the code for the love. Yay! These are just beautiful words that held me last year. And I hope they hold you too. So one more time, that's com slash shop to save 20% today. Use the code for the love. All right, back to our show, guys. Before I let you go, I've got a couple of questions from book club members. We sourced a bunch. I'd have you here all day if I asked all their questions because they just so enjoyed this book and you this is from Paula. She says, I love the dry wit combined with sensitive topics. Are any of the characters based on people you know? By the way, I do too. I want to echo that, that sometimes when we deal with really sensitive topics, bullying, gender identity, all of it, it's a little heavy handed. It's, it's over emotional. It's squeezed too tight. And so the dry wit and kind of the light way you touch down on it. I mean, including the opening scene, I really appreciated the tone. Okay. Any characters in here that we could be like peeking and going, Oh, that's her, that's her brother.
1: Well, I mean, it really like the two feral children are very much, at least one side of my children. But other than that? No. I mean, other than really just me. Just me a thousand ways. You know, I mean, I think I I certainly have a lot in common with with Porter and with Cecilia, but that that's it. I mean, that that's it really. Like it's sometimes sometimes characters sort of start with me thinking about a certain aspect of someone else's personality, but but even like, even when I think about it directly, which I almost never do, once you start writing, that
0: vanishes, I would say, for me. Yeah. I am fascinated with fiction writers like yourself, novelists, who whose characters just, they just are who they are. And they they end up being who they were always meant to be. And it feels like I'm speaking strangely, except that I love that they almost have a life of their own and you are their conduit to find them, to find what they would say, to find their story, their backstory, their, their origin stories. It's so fan- it's so fascinating to me. Here's a question from Audrey. Obviously, there are so many well-developed characters, but Astrid feels like the centerpiece. Did you start out writing the book with her as the focal point or did that change as you worked on the book? Yeah.
1: So when I started... This is the kind of thing that I always feel like my publishers can be like, Emma, why'd you do that? But so when I when I started, I was like, independent women. My book, this book is about independent women. And it was like all of the women in like the whole town. It was
0: Oh, oh, it was broad.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, as we've previously discussed. But it was like, you know, Astrid and Porter and Cecilia, like those, they were my three like big anchors. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the weight the weight shifts the most onto Astrid. Like she I For me, she carries the book. Yes. So I, I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah. I love that. Last couple of questions. Here's the first one. I want to hear more about developing this into a show. Can you talk about that? Or is it too soon?
1: It's very exciting and also sort of imaginary, but so I am writing it with another woman and we pitched it all over town last summer and Apple bought it. And so we have written the pilot and now we're just like in the seemingly endless like notes getting zones. I mean, who knows, you know, it's all such a, such a crapshoot. What, what comes of it, but it's been really fun. It's been so fun to, to, to just be
0: with these guys, (laughs) you know, that's very exciting. Really exciting. I'm going to spend some time with my book club. We're going to cast this for you and I'm going to send it over. Okay. We're very good at this. We have casted some of our other people's books before. And I'm just telling you, this is a very special skill set that we have. And we dial it in real tight. We'll give you an A tier and a B tier. And I just want you to consider our proposal. I'll send it straight to Apple. I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. do, do. I'll put it in an uploadable format so you can just <laughs> send it. We would like to know what you're reading because writers read and you also own a bookstore. So you're, you're a book person. I'm going to go ahead out on a limb and say you're a, book per- you're a book person. What are you reading right now that you love? What would you, re- what are you recommending to people right now? So right
1: now. I am listening to the audiobook of Beach Read by Emily Henry, which is just perfect. Is it? It's just, it's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. It's funny. It's, it's terrific. I just finished reading an old book. It's a collection of short stories that came out maybe 10 years ago or more by a, a guy named Kevin Wilson who wrote a book called Nothing to See Here that came out last year that was amazing like one of my I read that so good about the kids who burst into flames. Yes, I read that. So good. So he has he's got a bunch of other books but I was I was in the mood for stories tunneling to the center of the earth. That's what that one is called. Colson Whitehead has a new book called The Harlem Shuffle that comes out in October that's like next on my stack.
0: Okay. Last we are very curious what you're working on. Obviously, you're working on the show. That probably takes a huge. That's a heavy lift. Are you noodling your next book? Are you working on it yet? So I'm done with my next book. It's what well, I mean. This just came out last year. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. But but you cranked this one out. You had a quicker.
1: I did. I did. It's. I mean, hopefully, it'll be out next summer. And what I can tell you. For sure, the title. I'm not sure if it's the title this day, so I won't tell you the title. So this summer, my dad's health is not good, and he spent a lot of time this year in the hospital. And when he was in the hospital, and he's a novelist too, and when he was in the hospital, we just we spent a lot of time talking about writing and talking about life and i i wrote a time travel like love story between a father and a daughter really it's a little bit of a departure i mean it's the same in most ways you know like it's it's about families and it's about love and it's also the time travel
0: (laughs) with a little bit of time travel thrown in as you do as one does. Oh, that's exciting. How wonderful. It's slated to come out in a year. Yep. Next time. Yeah. That's exciting. It's fun to stretch a new creative muscle, like try an adjacent genre, a little bit of outside of your normal. Well, listen, huge fan here, huge whole group of book club fans now. And we so have enjoyed reading your book and we love your characters and we can't wait to see what you do next. We are, we'll be in line to buy it. So know that. And thanks also for just taking time to talk to us. This always feels very, very special to book club that we get to meet the author of the book we just talked about for a month. So just delighted to meet you. Thank you so much
1: for for sharing my book with the book club and yeah, it's been a treat. Yep. For us too. Thanks, Emma. Thanks Jen. Have a good day. You too.